Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy preaches about Saul's conversion in Acts chapter 9. God has amazing things for you to do with your life. Your purpose always starts with Jesus, on His road, by His way. Your purpose stays on course with your repentance and submission. Your purpose on the road is sustained by your trust and faith in Jesus, not by how steep or winding the road gets. Your energy along the way is filled and sustained by this deep truth. Jesus is with you every step of the journey. He will see you through to the very end. Um, If you are new or visiting with us this morning, welcome. Uh, Let me introduce to you what we believe. There's three things that we believe. We see this uh, in Isaiah 61. Um, This is when Jesus stands up and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind. To, and, and the passage goes on. And there's three things that we believe. It's the foundation and core of our church. Number one, there is always hope beyond our brokenness. Okay, if you're looking for a perfect church, you wrecked it the moment you walked through the door. But more importantly, no matter where you're finding brokenness and discovering places in your life, Uh, that are uh, dark and twisty and need to be healed. This is a church where you will find hope because Jesus is alive and he's present and every single person is welcome here. I guarantee you that the ceiling will not fall down on you. Okay? I guarantee. And if it does, praise God, we'll just build a new facility. Right? Uh, So there it is. Second, we are called to trust in our risen Savior. Jesus is alive. He's present here right now. And y'all, uh, trusting him is the most beautiful thing in the whole world. Uh, we stop eating from the dumpster of death, and we start eating from his buffet of heaven. Uh, we stop eating from, we stop living as though we are Simon of Cyrene, trying to do it all and carry it all on our own shoulders and we start trusting him, and we watch him move and do incredible things with our our spouses and our families and our children and our grandchildren and our finances and our life, because he cares about you, and he is head over heels in love with you. And then third, we get to bring restoration. So Jeannie got to bring restoration to uh, a young woman in, in Mariposa, and you better believe that with our whole church praying for her, that that family is going to have that darkness lifted and God's kingdom is going to come because that's what we're seeing over and over and over again as we love people and as we care for people, as we pray for them and then as we practically seek to meet their needs, that his kingdom rule and his kingdom reign and his resurrection and restoration starts pouring out through us into people's lives and it's so awesome. And guess what? You do not have to be on staff in order to do this. You do not have to be an elder or a deacon in order to do this. You do not have to have a perfect track record this last week with no sin, okay? It's not like we're a place where it's like, oh, zero days since the last workplace accident, right? It's like, how many moments? And like, y'all sinned like on the way here this morning, and so did I, right? I don't know what I did, but, you know, that's, that's... Look, our our brokenness does not exclude us from God's mission. God wants to use us right where we are. In fact, as Paul says, we are like cracked clay jars, and and God's light and his love uh, shines through us. So I'm so grateful for you all, and I'm so thankful for you all. Each one of these profound truths of hope and trust and restoration has one of We get to choose that every day. Following Jesus isn't like falling into a hole. It doesn't happen accidentally. You have to choose it. Make sense? Just like you choose to parent, just like you choose to to be in a marriage, just like you choose to love and care. It's a choice that you make every moment, every day. So let's declare this choice, our choice, again together today. Ready? Here we go. We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So today, today's passage is one of three incredible moments in the early church, which is the last three weeks that we've been in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit does what no one thought was possible, 
the Holy, Holy Spirit reaches and transforms a Samaritan sorcerer. That was three weeks ago. It's stunning on so many levels. How could someone so steeped in demonic bondage in their own ethnic and long religious opposition to Jesus, how could they ever come to know Jesus? You ever know someone like that? Someone so steeped in their own demonic bondage in ethnic and religious opposition and resistance to Jesus, you think there's no way God could save them, God does. Only the power and beauty and love of Jesus moving through the Holy Spirit could rescue someone so lost. Then last week, one, if you thought Simon the sorcerer was hard to save, how about someone in the highest levels of government? A lawyer. <laughs> so here's this man, an Ethiopian, at the highest rankings of government. And somehow, somehow, this lawyer, this, this legislature, this 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 high-ranking official who's actually in charge of the treasury, right, of Ethiopia, he starts wanting to know God. That's a miracle in and of itself. And he shows up to Jerusalem to worship God, but as a child, he had been mutilated by, when his parents sold him to the Ethiopian government, and as someone who was a eunuch who was mutilated, he could not enter into church. If you've ever known someone who wanted to know God, but when they showed up to church, church said, you're too, you're too much of a sinner, you're, you're too off, you, you, t- you, you swear too much, you got too many tattoos, you're part of the wrong political party, your sexuality is off, your, 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 your morals are off, you're doing something wrong, you drink too much, you smoke, whatever it is, right? Their bar, the door was shut to them. We know people like that in our life. And when they want to know God, but the church shuts the door in their face, they almost never come back to God. And we think to ourselves, oh my gosh, because they're your kids, aren't they? And they're your grandkids, aren't they? And they're your cousins and your brothers and your neighbors and your friends. And you just think to yourself, if only they could come here. If only we could reach them. But every time I even have a conversation with them, it's like they're allergic to even talk about God. And the Holy Spirit sends Philip to to walk up to an armored tank column and call out to the Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian, for some reason, invites him in. And God, the Holy Spirit, saves this Ethiopian government official. And that's how the Ethiopian church started. 2,000 years, rich, amazing history in which North Africa has been transformed by the love of God started with a miracle that no one thought could ever happen. And if you thought all that was impossible, today's passage is about a man who could, who could never be saved. It's about a man who is out actively seeking to kill and destroy and imprison and maim and wreck Christians. And his name is Saul. So let me just take a step back and say, what are we learning from the Holy Spirit? Here's what you need to know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of your rebellion. The Holy Spirit is not intimidated by your doubts and your questions. The Holy Spirit is not overwhelmed by whatever hopeless situation your friends or your family, your kids or your grandkids are facing. God, the Holy Spirit, always saves people we think are unsavable. You know why? Because he saved you. <laughs> we are not here this morning or listening online because of our goodness or our moral virtue. We didn't pick up the cross and say, uh, you know what? Jesus, I'll take part of that resurrection or that crucifixion as well because I'll save myself. We won't get to heaven and go, 
God, you did 75%, but that 25% I did it, man, that really brought me home. Thanks for taking it to the 10-yard line, Jesus, but I punched it through into the end zone. Wrong! All of us will fall on our knees before the King of kings and Lord of lords and say, you alone are received, will receive all glory and all honor and all praise because you alone saved me. Amen? You were ransomed, stuck in prison, bought with a price, the love and blood of Jesus. Amen. So can I have permission this morning to talk to the part of your heart that believes that you'll never be healed and you'll never be changed? Can I? I know there's a lot of walls. I know there's a lot of cynicism. I know there's a, there's a lot of things in the way. But I'd like permission to walk into that place today and talk to you about the love of Jesus. So can we pray? Will you pray with me? Will you pray, not just with me, but pray for the people around you? Would you pray with me? Those online, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, please. Reach into the places of my friend's bondage. The places where they're still stuck, where they're still just living under the weight of hopelessness or worthlessness or fear. The place where they've, they just feel like they're not redeemable. And God, meet us here through the power of the gospel, through your word. And Jesus, set us free. We're asking you, Holy Spirit, set us free. Deliver us. We give you permission this morning to work in us. And I bind and mute in the name of Jesus every foul and evil spirit that is guarding these places in us, around us, that is mocking or humiliating or taunting or, or making us doubt. We cast you out of this place in the name of Jesus. We silence you and bind you in Jesus' name. Today is a freedom today. Today is Jesus' day. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Are y'all ready? I'm, I'm going to preach this morning. <laughs> I haven't even followed my notes. I don't even, are you ready? All right, here we go. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. I'm already crying and stuff. Oh, my gosh. Ready? Read with me, okay? <laughs> Meanwhile. Wait, wait, wait. What just happened? Meanwhile. What, what do you mean, meanwhile, right? Right? So, so the Ethiopian and, and, and Philip are, are south. Now the scene switches to the north. Right? Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats. Saul in Hebrew means big man. Okay? Big man. The man. Top dog. Big dog Saul. He was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. That's bad news. Now, Saul was there when Stephen got killed. So he was. He, he was just like feeding frenzy, let's go, religious purification time, we're going to destroy all the heretics, we're going to flush them out of town. It's, you know, it's a great time to round up political opposition, religious opposition, and cleanse, uh, uh, cleanse the nation, all right? It's bad when, uh, when the high priest is also the governor, okay, because that's the high priest's job. He's the religious leader and the governor. Can we just say thank you, Jesus, for living in a country where church and state are separated? Yeah. Right? That's good news. That's good news. Okay? So Saul goes to the high priest. Verse 2. He requests, read it with me. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. Okay. Paul is literally saying, listen, we've cleaned up Jerusalem. We've pushed the Christians out by and large of Jerusalem. We've got that taken care of. High priest, can you weaponize the religious discrimination we've done here and so we can send it out to all the different cities in, in, 
in, in the Arab in, in the in the known world. Okay, and so the first major place where most Christians fled from Jerusalem was to Damascus. That's the next major city north, right? If Jerusalem is L.A., Damascus is San Francisco. Picking up what I'm putting down? Geographically, they're about the same distance away. Damascus might be Vegas because it's a little bit east as well, but basically the same difference. And so... Paul's like, you know what, why not just, why, why not stop at Jerusalem? Let's go, let's go arrest them and, and do that there. And he's asking to, to talk to the local synagogues, which means that he's going to have the local community hunt down, arrest, bind, and then bring back Christians, Jesus followers, to be imprisoned. Does that make sense? Notice that what the the Christian movement is called. It's called the way. In Greek, this is the word hados, H-O-D-O-S. It's actually technically O-D-O-S, but the 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 first O in hados is uh, pronounced with an H. Um, uh, In in the Old Testament, uh, the Greek word ex means like exoskeleton, out. So ex hadas, ex hadas, exodus, exodus, the road out, or the way out. Hadas means road or way. Okay, so here's Jesus saying, "I am the hadas and the truth and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life." It's a metaphor for saying, "Listen, um, walk this way, live this way." Right? I almost started singing a Run DMC song. Uh, so, it, listen, you can build your life on the hadas of the world, or you can build your life on the hadas of Jesus. That makes sense? The hadas of this world, the way of this world, the road of this world has particular rules to it. Me first, my way, rely on myself, do whatever it takes to win, blah, 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 blah. Yes? The Jesus way is different. We're going to see that today. Paul's road, Paul's way, he's, he, Paul's way is violence, forcing, right? Destruction. And, and everything that's going to happen, ironically, is going to happen next on the Hadas. So G, Paul's trying to destroy the Jesus movement, the Jesus way, and he's on a Hadas, on his way to do that. Okay? Let's keep on reading. Verse 3, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven. Now, a light from heaven, it's literally, in the Greek, it's like a lightning storm. Okay? So imagine Thor, right, with the hammer, okay? It's like a lightning storm, but bright as well. Okay? A light, keep on reading with me. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Hmm. Saul's literally knocked off his, his high horse. Big man Saul gets low. Big Saul is now flat on his butt on the ground, and a voice from within the blinding lightning storm speaks. Why are you persecuting Hmm. Saul's probably freaking out. Is this ghost someone I've hurt? Is this Stephen, whom I helped stone? Coming back to haunt me? But something in Saul knew that the voice didn't just belong to a man. This is the voice of someone far more powerful. That's why, verse 5, Saul says this, Who are you, Lord? It's a good question. That's a good question. Who, who, am, I, who am I hurting? That's what Saul wants to know. Who am I hurting? Who am I persecuting? Because Saul didn't do, believe that he was doing anything wrong. His arrest of heretics was protecting the Jewish nation, protecting the honor of God. Ultimately, in Saul's thinking, it was an opportunity that when he would imprison the heretics, he'd be able to talk to them and say, listen, you need to repent. You're, you're out of line. And they would come back to God. Saul thought he was doing them a favor. 
until this moment. And then he says, who am I hurting? Verse 5 continued. Read with me. And the voice replied, Oh, no. A couple of things to understand here. First, when Saul is beating and hurting and torturing and imprisoning Christians and destroying their homes, Jesus feels it. Why? Because the moment that you say yes to Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is Jesus, like it... It's the third member of the Trinity, which means that everything that you feel now, God, including Jesus, feels. Everything that you experience, God experiences. Do you understand that? Every moment of loneliness that you have, every moment of pain, every moment where you felt despair, hopelessness, or fear, God is literally going through that with you. You're not alone. The most terrifying reality of all human existence is that no one can actually understand what you're going through. All of our subjective experience means is that we are absolutely and utterly alone in our experience of this universe. Does that make sense? But with Jesus in your life, that's no longer the case. You are never, ever ever utterly alone you are always with he is always with you and his promise to never leave you nor forsake you is proven true here instead of jesus saying paul paul why are you persecuting the christians the followers of the way he's saying paul paul why are you persecuting me i need to uh i'm gonna uh, pause on my sermon here and just i need to tell you something in the last 90 days in our church, we've had five families on the verge of homelessness, okay? In the next 30 days, we're gonna have two families facing homelessness. In the next, in the next six months, we're gonna have three families that will be facing homelessness in our church. You guys, Jesus is gonna feel that too. Look, y'all, I know most of us don't have a lot of money. Some of you are sitting on a gold mine. Can we buy a house? Can we buy an apartment complex? Can we, can we do something to, to actually alleviate? We'll make it an investment, right? Or just give the money away. I don't care. doesn't matter to me. We'll figure it out. But can we buy some or, or figure out a way to make sure that no family in our church goes homeless? Can we do that? Because I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to be here six months from now and Jesus to say to me, why am I homeless living on the streets when we have all of this? You know what I mean? Like we can do something about this. We can make something happen. You know of rentals. You know of... Like, we can come together and make sure that families in our church, literally people sitting next to you right now, are not on the streets in a couple of months. Can we do that? If you have resources, if you have no of rentals, will you contact me? Because let's solve this. Amen? Amen? And even if you're living across the seas, like, we'll just send people to London, you know, where you live. Okay? Okay. Okay. If Jesus is with you and feeling what you're going through, I have a challenge for you. And the challenge is this. It's time to stop living as though you're alone. It's time to stop living as though God doesn't really actually understand how you feel. It's time to stop living as though God is way out there and you're here and you've got to get to him. It's not how it works. He's with you. You don't have to clean up that pile before you get to God. He's with you right now, looking at it side by side with you. And maybe there's a nickel in there. I don't know. Maybe not. 
you don't have to do that work alone because you're never alone. Amen? Amen? There was a woman in France who was found sick, homeless, living on the streets. When the authorities discovered her identity, they also found that she had a multi-million dollar, gorgeous, fully furnished apartment in the heart of, of downtown Paris. And they couldn't believe it, that she was homeless. And you know what they also discovered? That in her bank account, she had millions of euros. Like she was absolutely set. Is that my alarm? Is it going off? It's time to pray, whoever's that is. <laughs> Why was she living on the streets hungry, sick, and filthy? Well, this is what we do. We believe the lie that Jesus isn't with us, that all of the resources of heaven aren't ours, that we're utterly alone. Can we say yes to the reality that Jesus is with us? Can we reject the lie that Jesus is at arm's length from us? Will you do that with me? Will you repeat after me? I reject the lie that Jesus is separate from me. I accept the truth that Jesus, you are with me. I am not alone. Amen? Now back to Saul. Here's the second point. He's just been knocked off his high, heart, high horse. And in one moment, the God of the universe has revealed a sickening truth. Saul is all wrong, terribly wrong, horribly wrong. Saul is literally persecuting the living God of the universe. That's a bad day, y'all. Okay? So many people go to church, and tragically, they don't want to meet Jesus. They say they do, but they don't. They say they want revival for the Holy Spirit to descend in power for people to, to Jesus, for, to change lives, to bring salvation and healing. But the reality is, is that some of you don't want that at all. Why? Because you're going to get knocked off your high horse, that's why. You will come face to face with the reality that you thought you were right, 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 right. Oh, no, I'm wrong. And no one wants to admit that, but that's what happens. If you want God to show up in power and in presence with your life, in, pre in power and present in your life in a way that is absolutely undeniable, the lightning storm to be around you, the power of God to flow through you, get ready to get knocked off your high horse. You have to actually accept and believe the gospel. Next slide. That you're more broken than you would want to admit. And read it with me. And you're more loved than you could ever dare to hope. Most of us are okay admitting that we're broken in this church. Most of us have a hard time admitting that we're loved in this church. See, if you're just broken, you could beat yourself up. You could seek to change yourself all by yourself, but that's not the hadas of Jesus. That's not the way of Jesus. The Jesus way is that the moment that you are knocked off your high horse, the moments when you're face to face with the ugly truth that, oh my gosh, I thought I was right, but I got it all wrong. Those are the moments that you'll actually discover that you are 100% thoroughly loved just where you are, even in the middle of all of your rebellion and stupidity. You're loved. Just because you're broken doesn't mean you're not loved. No, 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 no. In the places that you're most broken, Jesus loves you there and ransoms you there and chooses you there. Someone say amen. amen. Now, Jesus could have used that lightning storm to do what to Paul? Yeah, just fry him to a crisp, right? Justice, Jesus. Woo! Here we go. Pow! Right? Big Saul becomes big smoking Saul, right? That'd be great. But Jesus doesn't do that, nor will he with you. Jesus has ransomed you not to destroy you, not to fry you, but to resurrect you for a purpose, a purpose beyond your pain, beyond your failures, beyond that broken place that even still right now you deny even having. Jesus Paul tells Paul what, or Saul what to do next. Here we go. Here's the instructions. Verse 6. Now get up. <laughs> Just got a picture, right? Lightning storm. Kapow! Boom! Saul's off the horse. Ooh! 
Stop persecuting me. Who are you? Jesus. <gasps> Get up. <laughs> so great. Go into the city. Would you want to go into a populated city after being thoroughly exposed as a fraud? No, I'd want to go into the country and hide. Is there an Airbnb that no one knows me at that I can go? Right? And you will be told what you must do. I love it. No further instructions. Right? Immediately, Jesus is like, trust me. Verse 7. Read with me. The men with Saul stood speechless. Just picture it. Because they're riding along, right? Gonna kill some Christians. We are right and they are wrong. We have power. Pow! For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Why are you persecuting me? Saul's on the ground, their leader, right? Saul's talking. They're hearing a voice. Saul picked himself up off the ground because, right, dust, lightning storm. He's rubbing his eyes. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. Uh, what? So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. This is, this is so beautiful. The man looking for Jesus' followers is now blind. The man leading the charge now has to be led. The man confident of his mission is now a blubbering, crying, blind, helpless mess. When they ask him who spoke, Saul says, the voice said, I am Jesus. And the other rabbis are like, excuse me? Because they know scripture. And when Moses encounters God, you know what God, Moses says, who are you? You know what God says? I am. You know what Jesus says to Paul? I am. You don't need to say those Greek words in that order in order to say, I am Jesus. But Jesus uses very specific language to tell Paul I am God, and my name is Jesus. And the other rabbis are like, excuse me? What? And all of these rabbis, shocked to their core, arrive at the city at a friend's house, and Saul goes into a deep place of repentance. Verse 9, he remained there blind for three days and did not eat nor drink. Jews repented by fasting. Saul needed three days. He was sick to his stomach with guilt and regret. His entire world was turned upside down. I have a friend who, years ago, he was driving to do a very, very bad thing. He was a drug dealer. He was going to go harm someone who hadn't paid him. And as he was driving along with murder in his heart, God the Holy Spirit touched his forehead on the drive. And literally, it, he said it was like a blinding light covered his eyes, and he could not see. And then all of a sudden, when he could see, he had to pull over on the side of the road. And he thought to himself, and I quote, how can a man like me be forgiven? He turned the car around, and then he did not eat nor drink for three days. All he did was wept at what he had done and the damage that he had caused in people's lives. And he's been a faithful follower of Jesus for the last 30-plus years. And he goes to our church. I love him dearly. Now the story cuts to a Christian living in Damascus. Verse 10, are you ready? Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Not the guy who died a couple chapters back. Different guy. 
right? That was Andy of Jerusalem. This is Andy of Damascus, okay? There was a believer in Damascus named Andy. The Lord spoke to him in a vision saying, Andy. And he said, yes, Lord. I love how he responds. His response is like, I'm ready to obey. Here we go. Are you ready? God says, hey. And you're like, I'm ready. Calls you by name. You're like, I'm ready. And this is what God says to you next. Go over to Straight Street. That, that's just, there's not many straight streets in Jerusalem when, or in Damascus. When there is one, they're like, yep, that's straight. It's the only one. We're going to call it Straight Street, right? To the house of Judas. Don't get hung up on Judas's name. That's Judah is a tribe of the old, uh, of the, that's just Judah in, in the ancient world. It's translated into English Judas, but it's not. There it is. So God says, when you get there, ask for a man from the city, Tarsus, named Saul, He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Andy coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. So Andy's got the directions. Jesus has given him the pin on the Google Maps. Go to Straight Street. Ask for um, uh, Judas's house. There's a guy from Tarsus, right? Tarsus is Eukaipa, okay? Uh, Riverside, wherever. Is there Saul from Riverside here, right? And Andy says, but Lord, uh, I've heard many things, many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Why? Because Andy lives in Damascus, and what has he done for the last three months? He is literally housed, fed, put back together, wept with all of the Christians fleeing from Jerusalem. That's what he's been doing for the last three months. It's all he's been doing. Hundreds of people fleeing, saying, this guy named Saul killed my family. I escaped. This guy named Saul destroyed my business, made me homeless. I escaped. This guy named Saul beat us half to death. Now I can't walk anymore. This guy named Saul knocked out my teeth. This guy named Saul wrecked my life. Andy says, verse 14, Rizmi. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Jesus, I don't want to go to the guy's house who's wrecked everybody's life and currently has a legal document allowing him to wreck mine. I love what Jesus says. Ready? Let's read this together. Verse 15. But the Lord said, go. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. Go. And Andy's like, mm, can I know why, at least? And Jesus is like, yeah, I'll tell you why. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Verse 16, Jesus throws in this detail. And, and An Ananias is like, say what? You who? You're going to have him do all that work? And Jesus is like, and Ananias is like, yeah, but what about all the people that he wrecked? What about all the things that he did? And Jesus says this, verse 16. And I will show him how much he must suffer from my name's sake. See, Jesus has a plan for Paul. The justice that Ananias wants, it's going to happen. Paul will suffer. But you need to understand something really important here. This is not God taking revenge on Saul. You need to understand that this is the consequence of Saul's choices. Saul had literally set up a system in which Christians were legally now per persecuted. You understand? So when Paul becomes a Christian, guess what's going to happen to Saul? He's going to be persecuted. That is not God taking revenge on Saul. That is Saul suffering the consequences of his own actions. You need to understand something really important about this life. Jesus will never, ever condemn you. He took the condemnation on the cross. Jesus is never going to make you suffer. He's the one who suffered on the cross. You will suffer the consequences of your own choices. You understand? You will suffer the consequences of other people's choices. That is not God's doing. Don't blame him. That's their choice or your choice. 
when I did not listen to my father when I was 12 years old and he said, be careful chopping kindling. And I said, okay. And I wasn't careful. And I chopped this finger in half. I still have the scars. And it works. (laughs) But I could only do this for a long time. That make sense? You suffer in your own body the scars of other people's choices and your choices. That's not God's doing. That is, that's our doing. You need to understand something about Jesus too. The place of your deepest brokenness will also be the place where you and your family discover that you are loved the most. Your consequences that you suffer, that God's not doing to you, but you're going to suffer those consequences of your choices and someone else's free will, and I know it stinks, but please, there's hope there. You'll discover God's provision there, God's love there, God's covering for you there, even in the pain. The pain will be there, and so will Jesus. You are never alone. I was working out with a friend this week and we were talking about this truth. My friend's child is really struggling right now. It's been hard, really hard. No advice is helping. Outside help isn't making a dent. It's just hard. And my friend has been going alone for a while. He's like Simon to Cyrene. I got this. I'm a man up. So as we're sweating and lifting and lunging, and lunging is a cruel exercise. (laughs) Whoever invented this, right, is currently living in hell. Like, I don't mm. Ugh. Right? That just hurts. Okay? Yeah. And we began talking about what it would be like for his child if she encountered, he has a daughter, what would it be like if his daughter had encountered a father who was honest about his own brokenness and also confident, finally, that he's loved by Jesus in those places of his brokenness. Can you imagine if that's what your parents gave you? Some of you had parents like that. You are so blessed and lucky. Can you imagine if your parents taught you that all the time? If your parents said to you and were honest with you about where they were failing and where they were broken in their life, but also absolutely confident that they were loved in that place? That's the power of the gospel. You have the ability to do that right now as a parent, no matter how old your children are. It is a gift that will change generations. The way, the Jesus way, the hadas of Jesus is mercy and grace and love in the place of your gifts and also your brokenness. And when you're a child, you don't want advice as much as you want to be loved. Does that make sense? You don't want to be fixed. First, you need to be loved. Amen? The fixing will come later. Only when first you know that you're loved. Did you know that you're loved right now by Jesus? Ananias, he sees the mercy and grace of love of Jesus towards Saul, and he knew that he had to obey because he's received the same mercy and grace and love from Jesus. You need to understand the gravity of this moment right now. Big Saul will have a name change. His name change, he'll go from Big Saul to Paul. Paul in Greek means little man. We, we man. Big dog to we man. Big Saul to little Paul. Okay, right? Paul will plant hundreds of churches across the Mediterranean while he's a Christian. He'll write one-third of the New Testament, but not without Ananias choosing to obey. Listen, your obedience matters. You have no idea what's the consequences of your obedience in 100 years. But I guarantee you that if you could see the impact of your faithfulness 100 years from now, you would take your obedience seriously. Does that make sense? It would matter to you. In heaven, you will see 
what the consequence of your obedience over hundreds of thousands of years. Please, please, please listen. You matter. What you do matters. The generosity that you have matters. Your forgiveness matters. It shapes generations to come. What you do matters. Living with Jesus at the center of your life, in your heart of hearts, listening to him, obeying him, understanding and living the way of Jesus in the gospel, it changes history. It always has. It always will. Somebody say amen. So, verse 17, so, read this loudly. So, Ananias went and found Saul. Such a huge thing in such a simple little sentence. That, that sentence weighs 100 million pounds. Changed the course of the world. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, not enemy, not how could you, not you stinking. <laughs> Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you may regain your sight. Don't kill me and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and then he got up. You know what he did? He got up and then he got down again. He got up and then he went down again. He got up and he said, oh my gosh, I am dead without Jesus. And only, only, him can, only he can raise me back to life. There's a part in your heart that you feel like, just, you've been protecting it. It's a wound that maybe no one has actually heard or had the courage to cry over. It's a place where you feel alone. I know it. I know what it's like to be unloved for many years. I know what it's like to, to feel hopeless for many years. And your circumstances, it just reaffirms and rewounds you here. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus will save you. He loves you. Let him into that spot. Knock down that prison walls that you've put up to guard yourself. Let him in right now. Will you? Will you? 19, after he ate some food, he regained his strength. He hadn't eaten anything three days. So, I mean, he, he also, I imagine the baptism, he drank something. He stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. These would have been awkward meals. <coughs> <clears throat> uh, who's coming to dinner? Um, the Grand Inquisitor. You know. Oh, man. Just, whew. Verse 20. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues. That would have been even more awkward. Today we have an honored guest. His name is Rabbi Saul. He has been authorized by the high priest of Jerusalem to root out the heresy of these despicable Jesus followers. Saul, please come forward. <laughs> Rabbi Saul says, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is Lord and God <laughs> and King and that I am now his follower. <laughs> That'd be such an awkward Sunday. Listen, we're all going to become Mormon. We have magic underwear in the back and, um, you know, tie 10% or you're going to hell and uh, that's it. You know, like that would be such a weird Sunday, right? And they're all, what? Didn't he, wait, what? I love it. Listen, God, God, God has amazing things for your life. He has incredible moments for you. Like he's going to use you to change people's lives and those people are going to change people's lives. And it just, you could see it. I, I just pray that you could see it in the big picture of your life. And I need you to know something that like, that what you do now matters. These prayers that you're praying right now, they change your whole, change your whole trajectory of your life. God's not done with you. He loves you. Can we pray? Amen. 
Jesus, would you please remove the scales from my friend's eyes? Brothers and sisters, would you just wipe your eyes for me? Lord, take away the disillusionment right now. Wipe your eyes again, friends, and bring hope to their, to their vision. God, may their vision, may they see you clearly. May they see your love clearly. May they see your hope, Lord Jesus. May they know you and love you and adore you. God, give them hope in their marriages. Give them hope in their, in their housing. Give them hope, Lord Jesus, in the places of their woundedness. Give them hope, God, uh, in their healing. Give them hope with their children. Help them see you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you're with us and that we are never alone. And all God's beloved, forgiven, ransomed saints said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand for the benediction? If you need prayer, we would love to pray for you. I got prayer this weekend. You're not alone if you come forward to prayer. I got prayer on Friday. If you want to come have prayer, come. I, I will pray for you right now. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance. That's his delight in you. And give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, God bless you guys. Have a great day. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.